everybody. Welcome to the Uncommon Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Brian April. And as always, uh, you can follow us at Uncommon Comedy on Facebook, at Uncommon Comedy Tour on Instagram, and on YouTube at Uncommon Comedy Podcast. Uh, very excited about my, my guest today. Uh, we actually went out of the country today for to bring in somebody who's uh, performed all over the world. Uh, the first time I met him was at a fundraising um, show, so you know he's a good guy. And uh, very, very funny, uh, great actor, and an incredible comedian. So let's please bring him in. Welcome the one, the only, Mr. Leland Clausen. Leland, how are you, sir? Good. I'm I'm bowing in case anyone <laughs> is clapping. Oh, uh, trust me, they're cheering and they're clapping like good. mad. Good. Hey, by the way, I love that uh, 1980s guitar shredding in your intro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was awesome. Somebody was shredding that up. Well, you know, I had to I had to come up with my own, you know, thing because uh, otherwise the copywritten music and all that. So uh, I just did a little program and that, that's who I am. 80s, 80s oh, guitar. Is that your so give me sorry, I don't mean to derail. Oh, no, you no, no. Plan, but I, I do want to ask who is like, were you like poison guy or were you Bon Jovi or were you harder than that? Uh, yeah, it was a little bit. I do a little bit of everything. I go back to classic rock from like Aerosmith and all that. Oh. I do Stevie Ray Vaughan and all oh, that. Okay. So, um, so I do all of that, but then for '80s, you know, there was there was '70s Kiss, uh, The Who, and all that. Uh, Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, Poison, uh, Slaughter, Slaughter, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was into Metallica. Uh, hmm. I even went pretty hard into Suicidal Tendencies and, and okay. things like that. So I went, I went all over the place. The uh, band, you mean? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well. During seventh and eighth grade, no, uh, <laughs> right? I was really into them. No, I, yeah. So I, I love all sorts of hair bands, winger, and oh, you know. I love, the, I love the eighties metal. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally, totally down. What's, what is your favorite eighties uh, metal band? Uh, I mean, I probably, I, I gotta go with Striper just because that, mm -hmm. that's that was my my jam back in the day. But but I, I liked all Poison, Motley Crue. I liked all the glam bands. And everyone was like, ah, these guys with their hair. His they look like girls. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, hey, yeah, but they're it's good music. There's some uh, harmony and some guitar. I think I'll take it both, please. And some ballads, rock ballads. I was a big Def Leppard fan, huge Def Leppard oh, okay. fan. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, Striper was uh always funny, yellow and black. Uh, yellow and black attack, baby. Yep. When I got when I get in a car uh and it's got Sirius XM radio, the I always go to 39. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's different in the U.S., but in Canada, that's Hair Nation, baby. Yep, Hair Nation. That's that's the one. I love. Yeah, love that channel. yeah. yeah uh, we could talk all about hair metal. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> forget comedy. We're talking hair metal. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I um, yeah. All right, let's get let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough. Because no, I'll talk. I'll, I will. I'll talk hair metal all day. Um, <laughs> winger, like I said, just. Uh, yeah. Firehouse and Firehouse, Love of a Lifetime, Trickster, oh, yeah. uh, Kicks, um, Jane's, uh, uh, not Jane's Addiction, uh, the Ballad of Jane, LA Guns. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, then obviously Guns and Roses came out, you know, mm. at the end of the 80s and just kind of morphed it and did all that. But yeah, I love the and then stupid grunge started and ruined. I know. It I know. I actually didn't listen to grunge for a long time because I was I was angry. I was very angry that they <laughs> they killed off hair metal. Yeah, I so like I, some of those early grunge songs. I was like, oh, this is good too. Yeah. Then eighties metal went away, and I was like, wait a minute, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know it was one or the other. I would have stuck with that. My first concert was um, was Britney Fox, Lita Ford, and Poison. Okay. 
Yeah. So that was, so Brittany Fox, uh, all the, the girls were standing up cheering and then uh, Lita Ford came out and all the guys stood up and then poison. Everybody kind of stood up. So, okay. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. That I was did good. That. Uh, Guns and roses. I've seen them live. I've seen uh, well, striper. I saw them at a small club. Uh, this is years later. The, the thing about th- those guys is they did clean living, right? Mm-hmm. So now they can still just shred it up. And some of these, like, they're amazing even right yeah. now. And it's like, oh, wow. So good. Yeah. When you look at what's happened to Warrant or, you know, and Poison and some of the, the tolls that uh, rock and roll and other yeah. things have taken on them. Yeah. There's actually um, a really cool artist that I just found out. Uh, her name is uh, Mariah Formica, which it's spelled like Formica. She's, okay. I think, 19 years old, and she just shreds. And she okay. actually did some stuff with Striper. Oh. Um, and she was, I guess she was on The Voice when she was 16. And she's just, oh. she sounds just like Ann Wilson from Heart. And she sounds like, um, uh, I don't know the lead singer's name, but, but from Evanescence. So she's got that sound oh, to her. Yeah, okay, and okay. she plays guitar, and she, she can shred in the guitar. And mm-hmm. uh, M-O-R-I-A-H, uh, Formica, uh, Formica F-O-R-M-I-C-A. She's, okay. she's amazing. You, oh. she's, you should check her out. By the way, Heart is a Canadian band. Are they really? Yeah. No. So you had No, they're not. I'm sorry. You're no, thinking you thinking Corey Hart? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually opened for Corey Hart. Did you really? Yeah, he came through uh Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh and I was that I was there doing comedy and they yeah, they had me open for him for a half hour. How was that? Uh, I mean, this was past the prime years, right? So mm-hmm. um but it was great. It was a great show. He was uh, he was still delivering. Um, I had a friend, uh, a girl who handed me his cassette and was like, Hey, can you get him to sign this? This is the day the CDs were. And she was like, handed me this old busted up cassette. And I just couldn't do it. Cause I was like, this is insulting to him. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get a chance, but I, that's just, funny. But he says hi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but a lot of comics, uh, hate opening for musicians because they're yeah. very different. Cause the crowd is, is not there for comedy. They're there for music. Yeah, but this is different than like rock and roll. It's more like this was a whole bunch of ladies from the 80s that were like, oh, I love Corey Hart. And they're like, hey, listen to this guy for half an hour first. And they're like, mm. all right. So it wasn't like some of those. Uh, did, did they Did they give you it? By the way, ladies from the 80s sounds like a great bowling team name. Um, <laughs> so, but did they... Um, <laughs> did they give you some sort of introduction? Did the uh, yeah. or did you do okay? I might I might have even introduced myself backstage with the microphone. And now please give it up for whatever, you know, blah blah blah. And then hand it to him, then walked out and grabbed the mic there. Uh, yeah. I can't quite remember, but I've done that before, and I think that was one of the times I did it. Because um, there was there's I know there's so many stories, but they always say like if you can get the band to like be like, hey, this is our friend, like it totally oh, yeah, yeah. makes life easier for you. Yeah. And, no, uh, they were, it was it was not a, one of those kind of hard rocking crowds. They were like a we're pretty chill. We just want to hear some Never Surrender and sunglasses at night. So if you <laughs> just on that, we're okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember the, the the road manager was just like in my face, and he was like, "Do not go over thirty minutes. Not even one second over thirty. Is that over thirty? Yes, it is. Do not do it." He was just like right up, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's fine." <laughs> so I got off stage. It was like 28 minutes and I don't know, it's 20 seconds or something. And he's like, how come you didn't do 30? <laughs> <laughs> Cause you were in my face. I'm just yeah. trying to be sure. He's like, well, you weren't, you didn't, I said, don't go over 30. 
And I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, it's similar to uh, casinos. If you when you do casinos, they're like that as well. Like, do not oh, go okay. one second over because they want people back in every minute. Yeah, yeah. In the casino, they're losing. That's money. money. It costs them money. Exactly, exactly. So, um, I had a friend of mine who was a, a a comedian. He actually opened up for a Canadian band, Bare Naked Ladies. Oh yeah. And then uh, he said, what was really cool about them? It was during uh, the Christmas season, and during their encore they sang um do they know it's christmas um you know that and they brought him out to join the band and sing along with them oh cool and usually i guess dido was their normal opener and so when they came out they're like wow dido was much funnier than she was tonight you know than normal (laughs) so but that was cool i was like living vicariously through that so i very cool yeah Yeah, they, they in canada they did well when they toured before they were even really known because of their name, it would just say on the marquee, Bare Naked Ladies. And people were like, well, <laughs> well oh, this should be a out. good show. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is a musical group. But Okay. Uh, well, as long as they're, nope, they're dudes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. False advertisement. So uh, <laughs> so one of the things, uh, we'll, we'll get back to kind of, I met you about a year ago, we did a, a fundraiser in San Diego for, I think, a transitional housing. Yeah, something. yeah. I think I think it was like that. We had 500 people. It was a great show. And the thing that really impressed me about you was, um, within your act anyway, you, you're super nice uh, off stage, And then on stage, you were uh, extremely funny. And I want to make sure I say this the right way because I don't want it to sound insulting because it's I don't mean it. Um, I'm already you're, offended before you said that. Now you said that. I'm so offended. Your material um, catered to everybody. So mm. there were like eight-year-olds in the crowd, up to 80-year-olds, and it didn't matter. You didn't change it, and it wasn't like you were playing down to eight-year-olds. You know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. had material that was written so that an eight-year-old could get it and understand, and an 80-year-old could understand, and it wasn't mm. demeaning to either group or uh, insulting or kind of going, okay, now we're going to do some kid joke. You know, it wasn't yeah, anything yeah. – like that, it was just plain old material that everybody could could relate to, and I was like, "That's awesome." <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, I think part of that is because, first of all, it was the time I grew, I started doing comedy in where they said to you, because uh, back in in my days of doing comedy, it was all about. Uh, I still do comedy, but when I started, <laughs> it was uh, appeal to as many people as you can. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's like niche, niche, niche because there's always a niche audience, and that's great. I think that's a good thing. But the reason that it still worked for me is because you have to be who you are too. And because I'm, I'm physical and I like to, I think that's, that's Mm -hmm. why younger, younger kids, like you say, eight years old and stuff, they might not get mortgage jokes, but at the end of it, I'm toppling down or something. They're kind of like, this this is a funny guy. I'm enjoying this. So, um, so I just kind of got lucky in that sense, In, in the sense it was like be appeal to everyone. And then I was being true to who I was, which helped appeal to everyone. So it, it kind of, I guess that's the one thing. That's the one thing good about <laughs> about my act. <laughs> that's a lot of things about it. The physicality is great, and uh, I think I remember specifically you had the bit about the hands, and I was just like, mm. everybody gets that, no matter where they are in life. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's and that's not even a camera trick. That's your no. hand was behind <laughs> no. you there. So no, it's not. <laughs> But so it was just, it was really cool to see that because I'm kind of the same, um, you know, I'm, I'm physical. I do the voices. So kids like that when I, yeah, when yeah. there are kids in the audience, they, again, they may not understand, 
you know, certain things, but they understand wacky voices or right, right. running around and being and silly. But uh, the material could stand on its own that they could grasp it on an intellectual level, but it still was really funny. And, and it, like I said, it yeah. just wasn't, wasn't demeaning or anything. And I, that's my biggest takeaway I took from, it. I was like, that is just really cool to see. Cause Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. So um, what inspired you to, to start doing comedy? Um, you know, I think I was thinking, I was thinking a little, a little about this, a little bit about this this week. Uh, because I'm asked that a lot as you are too, as, as a comedian, you, you get kind of asked that question a lot. And, you know, I jump around to, to answer uh, different kinds of answers. Um, but I really started to think about it this week a little bit more. And I, I guess what I realized is, is that I, I kind of recognized as a kid, the value in making someone laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I, I, maybe it wasn't on, even on a conscious level, maybe it was more of a, on a, on a subconscious level, but I, I think I recognized as a kid how it diffuses t- intense situations or lightens a mood over here or does this over, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I kind of sense that. And so, um, I've always enjoyed making people laugh. Hmm. I, I've always enjoyed that. And I think it's because I recognize that. So. So when I started to do it for a living, I was like, oh, you can do this. I mean, I can do this uh, on a way wider basis. I can make this my living. <laughs> so that, that kind of helped, uh, you know, solidify it for sure. Were there any uh, specific uh, comedic influences or? I had a lot. I mean, I had a lot when I was a kid. We had this drive time. We lived on a farm just outside of Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Canada. And uh, it's all English. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the, the radio station there every morning would play a little bit of little comedy clips, like five minutes or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I really enjoyed that, those watching those. And, and that was like Bob Newhart and, you know, some Gary Shandling mm-hmm. and uh, Bill Cosby. I mean, you yeah. know, I'm not going to take him off that list just because he's, he's done some things. Uh, no, I don't mean some things like it's not. <laughs> now I'm getting myself in more trouble. <laughs> no, no, no. He still wasn't influenced then is, is all right. I'm trying to say, right? Um, regardless of, of what's happened now, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I was always kind of had the stand up influences, uh, like that. And, and so when I started doing stand up, right around the time I started doing stand up, I was watching, um, I was watching, uh, Jim Carrey on In Living Color, and mm-hmm. I was like, that is amazing. And then you go back and start watching his stand up. Uh, and he used to do a lot of impression kind of yep. things and stuff. And, and th- that was good too. But it was when he decided to just take a departure and do something completely different. That stuff. I don't know if you've seen Unnatural Act, his Showtime special. Uh, oh, my goodness. Just so much originality. Like now you look at it and, you, and you maybe, oh, this isn't that original. But at the, the time it was groundbreaking. Just the way he would use physicality and, and mix it. He made fun of the, of the stand-up comedy uh, tropes. Right. As, as a part, as he did, like, it was just, it was brilliant stuff. Really funny, really, uh, really good stuff. I mean, he's kind of gone crazy now, but he was really funny. <laughs> I loved him. Uh, he's got a bit, um, what's it? It's Jimmy Stewart. Um, he's like, he could be super happy about everything. And then he's like, yeah. well, look, kids, it's a nuclear Holocaust, you know, a nuclear Holocaust. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's hysterical. And, uh, that always just makes me laugh. And I, I remember seeing him on like the, I want, I want to say maybe the young HBO young comedians, uh, showcase oh. or whatever. Okay. And he would come out and he'd do his 
thing with his because he's yeah. double jointed and he'd have his arm way over here and he's like i'm feeling a little weird tonight and i don't know why and right just the physicality he would do and uh you know, you hear the story of him ditching all of his his uh, impressions because I, you know, I do impressions or whatever, and then he just went up with <clears throat> no material basically, and he said he would just bomb night after night after night and trying to figure it out on stage. And yeah, my gosh, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Once you have something that works, you're like, I don't want to go back to that yeah, pain. Well, you know? Exactly. He was he was very brave uh, as an artist in his, and I think that's what got him so far. He just, I mean, you even look at the story of, of his groundbreaking uh, Ace Ventura mm -hmm. and he said he'd do it, but only if he could rewrite it, like or do it his way. And that was this character he created this, like he, cause it wasn't supposed to be that crazy. Right. And he was like, no, no, it has to be that crazy. And they were like, okay, here you go. And yeah. somebody taking a chance on him like that. And it just blew up. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, they launched into the mask and all of that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So, so good. Such a physical uh, uh, performer. And then you talked uh, a little bit about Cosby. I just wanted to touch up, touch on that real quick. I'm it's sorry. hard as comedians, man. It, it's sorry. Know, bad choice of words. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you up. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 hard as comedians because you watch him as a, a comic, and he is just like the gold standard of yeah. storytelling and just stage presence and what he meant to comedy. And then, you know, later you find out, okay, he was this monster, but yeah. so it's hard. It's, it's almost feels bad to even say like, Oh, I liked Cosby yeah. um, as an influence. And I had a, f a story. Uh, I had written a joke uh, about chess and then on Cosby last special on um, comedy central, he did a chess joke and my wife turns to me and she goes, he's going to do your chess bit. And I was like, no. And then he ended up basically, we basically ended up with the same, you know, parallel thinking, uh, ended up with almost the exact same thing, word for word, except I had a couple of tags. And then I was like, cool. You know, it's like, <laughs> I have this great story to tell yeah. that I have, you know, similar thinking to Cosby. And then now I can't say that at all. I'm like, I have no well, similar thinking to Cosby. <laughs> you sicko. Well, that, and that's, that's why it is important. I feel like in standup to be, to be who you are on yeah. stage. And so that's, I guess that's one thing it's like, Oh, he wasn't really who he was on stage. He mm. sure did a, he sure did a great version of himself. Yeah. It was like, wow. Um, very skilled, very, but, but yeah, that wasn't really who he was. Right. And so that's why I always kind of believe as a comic to be, to be exactly who you are. And anyway. Yeah. I think, comedy is best when it comes from a place of truth and then you just embellish it for, for yeah. laughter, you know, for comedic oh, for sure. effect. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's also, no one can take that from you. No one can take your act because it's you, you know, exactly. <laughs> Most people can't do big hand jokes and a lot of people can't do facial paralysis jokes. So, right. <laughs> so it's, uh, we're good. We got the market corner. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, so do you remember your first show that you did? Uh, yes, I do. I, <laughs> I, uh, I've been wanting to, to try comedy for a long time. Um, and I told a friend that, and I was working on material and I was writing and I was pra actually practicing that material, but I didn't have a game plan as to, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. I just was like, okay, here, here we go. And, uh, and I remember getting a call from my, my friend's parents and they said, Hey, our comedian canceled. Would you fill in? It was like a Christmas corporate Christmas party uh, out in Crake, Saskatchewan. 
And uh, I was like, they said, we hear you're a comedian. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> and it was like an hour. My first show was an hour. And oh it was my. an absolute train wreck. Just terrible. Um, I couldn't even convince them now to let me go back there, probably. <laughs> if I was like, I'll give you a free show. I've been doing this for 23 years. Here's my, here's my credits. I've done all this stuff. They'd be like, no, nah, we just, we, we don't trust you. Yeah. Because it was, it was really bad. Um, but I was hooked after that. I was like, I want to do this. And then I started doing it the right way, five minutes at a time on open mic uh, stages and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. But my very first time was a, an hour-long That's, I mean, corporate gigs are, are hard enough as it is when you've been doing it 20 years, let alone yeah. this is your first time on stage. Yeah, it was not... Yeah. Well, I remember too, because I, I timed it out, timed it out, timed it out. It was about 50, 55 minutes. And I'm like, you know, with intros and stuff, that's close enough. And and I finished doing the whole thing. And I looked at my watch and it was 35 minutes. And I was like, oh, I must have been rushing a bit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then I started to riff with the crowd. Hey, where are you from? <laughs> For another, like, that was, that was my closer. <laughs> I'm from Crake. We're all oh, from Crake. It's a small town. Where do you work? Co-op. We're all from Craig and we all work at the co-op. <laughs> this is our corporate event. This is a corporate event. <laughs> so, yeah, that was rough. That was a rough show. It's funny how um, when shows aren't going well, you just burn through material. Yeah. You know, you, you'll do an hour's worth of material in about 40 minutes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I had no idea that that, that was even something that took place. Right, I hadn't done comedy, so I had no idea. <laughs> I was just so 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 stupid to think I could do that. But uh, trial by fire, it was fun. Exactly. So I guess I, I'll just get this one out of the way earlier. Was that was that your worst show ever, or did? Um, I mean, I mean, it's, it's hard to be up there. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know any better, so yeah. I, I thought, hey, was this a good show? I think it was. Yeah, I got some laughs. <laughs> it was like now I know better. It was like no, that was just painful. Yeah. And so, so, yeah. So what was your worst show? If you can well, remember. I mean, that's gotta be up there. I, I don't, yeah. I, I got lots. <laughs> <laughs> I've been bad at this for a long time. <laughs> Good. Lots. Yeah. It's like a top 10 list. People go, okay, which one do you want? It's funny what, what I'm comfortable in now though, as compared to what I used to be comfortable in. I, I did a show at a, at a club uh, last year, a comedy club in Calgary. And they're Tuesday nights or they're Tuesday to, to Sunday and their Tuesday nights are just pretty dead. And it was the mm -hmm. opening night. I just got in. There was four people and they were like, do you want to do a show? And, and I, I, my plan at the beginning of the week was I, I really want to work on some stuff. So I was like, like, I didn't want to lose another night. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> And, uh, and it was fun. I just, there's two ladies sitting way back and, and a couple sitting close and I just had them come in and sit down and we, I sat at the edge of the stage and we just started talking and, and pretty soon it was, it was a great show. It, and, and it was funny. What I said to him was, here's the problem. It's a good thing, but also a bad thing. I'm getting really good at, at doing small audiences. <laughs> I've had a lot of practice at these small audiences, so I'm actually getting really good at it. So yeah, something to brag about. Well, and I think one of the things with that, though, this is one of the, the biggest uh, pet peeve I have of, of comics is they get into a room with a small crowd, whether it's 10, whether it's 20, whether it's four, and they take it out in the audience. 
Right. And it's not the people who shows up fault. Like for right. me, I, I always say you get the same show, whether it's five or 500, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the, the volume and energy, like the energy is the same, the volume is toned down and, and mm -hmm. yeah. you know, there, there, there are techniques that we, we use to adjust to that, you know, maybe a little bit more um, uh, talking as opposed to just flat out comedy, but you still give them a good show and they're yeah. going to go home and go, that was like such a cool time. Even though we were, there was four of us, we had such a good time. He was so good. The best advice I ever got from a comic, um, who, whose name is Des Reed. He's the guy that kind of took me under his wing in Saskatchewan when I was starting. But he said to me, uh, you can't want something from the crowd. Hmm. The moment you want something from them, like I need to have your laughter or, or whatever, um, they know. And, and as you get better at masking that stuff, there's comics that want something from the audience, but you just don't know because they're so good at it. But it was, it was a principle that really stuck in my head as in this is a service. We're providing a service. It's not about me. I'm just the guy that's providing this. I'm, you know what I mean? So that really changed how I looked at comedy. And, and that's why four people, 400 people. I mean, I'd rather obviously do 400 people or 4,000 people. Right. 40,000, maybe not so much. That, <laughs> but 4,000, yeah, I'll take yeah. that any day. Um, but, but it's still a service regardless. I'm still supposed to, you know, do something. So I, I use the gifts that I have to, oh, hey, well, here's something. Listen to this. And, and here we go. You know, that kind of that mentality. Yeah, I, I had that shift in my mentality after I got sick because before it was all about me and, you know, it was me, me, me. And then after it was like, okay, how can I give to the audience? It's about the audience. And like you said, once you get that shift, it, it makes really all the difference in the world because then those those smaller shows, you know, uh, I've, I've done so many shows with people and I go, well, somebody needs to hear us tonight. Yeah, you yeah. Know, somebody needs to laugh. So yeah. let's, we might be the voice that they need to hear to, to get through their day or whatever. Because that's right. what started uh, inspiring me when I was younger because I've been watching stand-up since I was probably 10 um, when they, they allowed me to. And I just remember how it would take me away from whatever was going on and right. I loved it. So I was like, if I can give that to somebody, then that's, that's like the yeah. coolest, coolest yeah. thing ever. But that's really great advice, you know, and I, I think a lot of people don't learn that until it's, you know, well down the line. Right, right. I mean, there's a lot of great practical advice out there, right? Like it's, you know, stage time and, mm -hmm. and all those kinds of, of fundamental, uh, I guess, practical things. But but this was, uh, this was a, a mental kind mm -hmm. of bit of advice that it's like, wow, if I approach this this way, it makes all the difference in the world. And I forget sometimes, right? And I get kind of get caught up in, oh, <laughs> you know? And, and I think I, I noticed that, you know? Yeah. I, I think they noticed the difference. So. Yeah, you have to just kind of let that ego go because comedy, well, if you don't, comedy will beat it out of you anyway. So oh. it doesn't matter. Yeah, you can take pride into comedy if you want, but it's yeah. there at the end. No, definitely not. Um, so how long did, did it take for things to kind of start clicking for you uh, on stage? Um, well, I had some early success in, in Canada. Like I was doing, you know, contests and things. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget what actual year it was that I started. 96, maybe? 90, 96? Uh, and, and by 1999, I, was, I went to Just for Laughs Festival uh, and, and, and some things like that. So I had early success, but it didn't really turn into anything. And I was like, why not? But 
stand-up wise, you know, I, I, what's really true is I, I've heard people say you don't really find your voice till at least seven years in. Hmm. And I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, you can have success and you can get things in, in career wise and, and all that kind of stuff, but, but you don't really find your, your stand up comic voice until you're at least seven years in. I don't know why that number, I don't know the science behind it, but I do really think it's true. Yeah. I, um, and I think it can also evolve. You can find it again sure. like, as, as life progresses. Yeah. But uh, just to get back to Just for Laughs, for those who don't know what Just for Laughs is, will you just tell them uh, a little bit about So, uh, I mean, you know, things obviously change as time goes on, but it was the biggest comedy. It's it's, it's probably still, number-wise, the, the biggest international comedy festival in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but it was also the place where guys would come and sign TV deals and, and all that. So back in 99 and 2001, I was kind of on the, the end of when that was because reality TV kind of hit in and around there. Mm -hmm. Once reality hit, nobody was signing sitcom deals anymore. But, but, and it's not that people didn't know who Ray Romano, Kevin James, Seinfeld were when they went to Just for Laughs. They already knew, but that's where they signed the deals. Right. They'd do the gala. They'd sit down after the gala because they're all there, you know, all the network guys and stuff. And they're like, "Here's your, here's your deal." Um, so it was a, it was a, a career maker for sure. I mean, I even in so for me, 1999, you know, three years into stand-up comedy, I, uh, I got a sitcom pilot from that, uh, wow. a, a Canadian sitcom. They saw me one time. They saw me on stage one time. They approached me to audition for this Canadian sitcom thing, and and I got it, and uh, it didn't end up going anywhere. But uh, I was going to be the Steve Urkel of of Canada. <laughs> I, was, I, was a I was like, this was my character. I I, uh, <laughs> I auditioned, and then I went back, and I'm like, oh, here's a bonus for you, because it was like this is they didn't used to really do taped auditions, but I was like, I had to rent a camera and stuff like okay, it was. Yeah. Really but I did a version where I, I did a character and the character sounded a lot like this. And he was Constable Bob, this RCMP. And they were just like, yeah, bring that character <laughs> to oh, the wow. So I flew to Toronto and, and I ended up getting, yeah, I ended up getting that. It was, it was in Halifax. So the far, far west, uh, east coast of Canada. Um, but that didn't turn into anything. But a year, two years later, 2001, I was back at Just for Laughs and I signed with Industry Entertainment who uh, at the time were a, a production slash management company out of LA and they had, Oh man, did they have a big roster, an amazing roster. So I was really excited because they were like, we're going to bring you back next year and to this festival and we're going to sign a half a million dollar development deal. Hmm. And I was like, sounds great. <laughs> that would be awesome. And then okay. that, that didn't happen. <laughs> and here I am forming <laughs> performing in front of four people a year later there you go it's uh no but just for laughs it is it's still like one of the biggest uh festivals and it's it's where people's careers go and they explode and take off yeah. and so it's i they mean can. it's they for sure can yeah it's big yeah it's so i mean that just says so much that you you landed it in three years and then went back in another two years like that's <laughs> such a you know it's yeah. just a, a credit to you and your your hard work that's and people. And then yeah. there was a 10 year gap before I went back. <laughs> well, you know, you're no longer new talent. Now you're, you're, yeah. Well, that's, that's, you know what? That's a big part of it. 
We yeah. want the fresh face. What's the fresh faces? Oh, yeah. this is great. Oh, old guys. Uh, yeah. We'll see if we can find a place for you. Yeah. Right? But Hey, like, you take it, right? I'll take that place. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, what is your, your writing process like when you're, when you're coming up with stuff? Um, you know, I'm, uh, I write a lot on stage. It's also changed a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Early on, especially the you know the just for laughs era when I was <laughs> just for laughs and, and those, you needed that that tight seven, you know what I mean? And I was mm-hmm. always just perfecting that tight seven. How do we do this? How do we you know? How, uh, 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 and it was all set up punch tag, set up punch tag, set up punch tag hands, set up punch tag. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I I've, I've changed more into more of a storyteller. Uh, I don't I, I wasn't a huge fan of storytellers when I was coming up in stand up. Like I wasn't, that wasn't my, oh, I love these storytelling. They're my favorite comedians. That wasn't my favorite kind of comedian, but it was more of who I was. So that kind of morphed. Again, that's that seven years in. Now all of a sudden I'm more of a storyteller. I still like to have, obviously have those laughs, that last per minute be high. Like I still want that bop, 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 right? Um, But but yeah, so it's morphed. So so that changed the way I, I, I wrote a little bit too. I do write a lot on on stage. Uh, that's why this this pandemic thing has been really hard because I, I really do enjoy that feedback from an audience as I'm working on a bit. You know, I, I mean, mm-hmm. it comes a lot quicker now. I already kind of know. Oh, I, I kind of know where this is going to go because I understand now better what an audience likes. Um, but there's still stuff that you play with in there. There's still stuff. You know, there's there's some bits by. Uh, oh, Dane Cook. And uh, this is an old example, but I, I, was, I was listening to him one time and I actually didn't used to watch a lot of stand-up comedy because I didn't want to be influenced. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and watch hours of other comic stuff. Um, but I remember going back and watching some of his stuff and you could tell what parts of his bit were, oh, he just, he just did that on stage and that worked. So now he does that all the time. And you can tell in my act too, if you're if you're watching something and all of a sudden I'm like I made a mistake or something and I have all these extra lines, it's like I've made mistakes and had some lines that hit, mm-hmm. but maybe not that many. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm not that quick, right. right? But but that's that's a part of my writing process is is just kind of playing with stuff. Um, I am I like to think I'm quick, uh, but sometimes it takes that that live interaction to bring some of that out. Um, but I will. So I'll, I'll come up with a concept. I'll write it down. I'll practice it. Like I'll get down like I'm at, at a show. I'll do pretend shows and just work the material until it's ready. And then I get it on stage and really work it. Hmm. So. But and it, when you talk about the, the you know, looking like you're just coming up with something, it's it's like that too when, with heckles or um, that sort of stuff. And you, Or you come up and you go, oh, I could have said this on the yeah, drive yeah. home. And you go, next time yes. that happens. <laughs> I got this line now. So. so everybody out there is not a comedian listening to this. Every time you've driven home and said, ah, I could have said this line. We do that too. We just go back on stage and do it the next day. That's right. We, we go back and, and then you mess up uh, <laughs> so that you can <laughs> go ahead and, and say that to, to get it. That's, that's sometimes when things happen or if someone does heckle you, you have that in your back pocket and you're like, here yeah. you go. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting process writing on stage. Um, 
get let's get back to the, the storytelling really quickly the the aspect of that because what i hear so many comics say i'm a storyteller and mm. that's their excuse for not having punchlines <laughs> um <laughs> and so yeah that's how do same. you it's the same for me <laughs> <laughs> how do you go about you know uh, for 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 someone who who says to be a storyteller comic, can you you please give a little bit of um, what you consider that to be as far as? Well, so so let me put it to you like this: I I started doing a, a YouTube channel. Uh, I mean, I've had a YouTube channel for like twelve years, but during this pandemic, I decided I need to start doing more than once a year <laughs> some old stand-up. <laughs> uh, and I started to tell stories because I've got all these stories, some from childhood, some from two weeks ago. Um, but the, the YouTube channel, I can edit some stuff and add some things and maybe add some clips to kind of do, you know what I mean? But those aren't ready for stage. Right. Whereas uh, for me, I start to tell a story. This, this is the part about me being me. Because I like to, to tell stories and I like to, the moment I, I go into that, there's always this passion that comes with a story. And anytime I'm passionate about it, I think that's when audiences are like, oh, okay, so what What happened next? What, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so, so that's the beauty of, of storytelling for me is that, is that I, first of all, I have that passion. They know what I'm saying is how I feel about it. Um, but, but yeah, you gotta have the last per minute. So for me, um, I map out a story and, and I, I put in where I think here's some, some definitely some, and sometimes it's a tangent. Sometimes it's like the story's going this way. And I'm like, let me just quickly add this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and that's all fine. And if I can tighten that up real nice, then all of a sudden I melt and put it back together with that same story. And it's like, okay, now we're really, we've really got the last per minute kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I'll just, I'll just play with it. Uh, these are real stories from my life with some of my exaggerations and some of my, I mean, to me, you know, the story is never exactly as it happened because that's why I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I forget what the guy's name is in, in the U.S., but in Canada, Stuart McLean is the storyteller with, like, what's the NPR guy? Uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Garrett Wheeler? No. Uh, Garrett Wheeler. He's like a soccer guy in Canada. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's... Uh, I don't even know what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just talking about storytelling and, and uh, getting the laughs per minute with that. Yeah. Like uh, on a technical uh, side of it, uh, I always just say, if does this have anything to do with the story? Like the punchline, you know, getting to that point, you know, yeah. do we need to hear about you eating breakfast when it's about you doing something sure. at dinner? Like, unless. And, and, that's, and I do think that's why early on in my, my standup career, if I was to do storytelling then, I don't think it would have been nearly as good. But because I developed my stand-up, my stand-up voice, um, the physicality that I add, now when I start to tell a story, I'm coming from a very different place. Like I know already what I'm going to be adding to this thing, how I'm going to build this, build this up into the moment. I know all those those things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and I do think I, you know I, I've been doing some acting. You mentioned some stuff, but I I realize now that that's that's part of what's developed the, the acting part for me too, is that I, I'm, I like telling stories. Yeah. So, so I, I kind of understand some of that and how it doesn't mean I'm great at it, but I, I understand it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And uh, if you want to hear some of Leland's stories on YouTube, 
You can follow, <laughs> you like how I did that? You can uh, follow him. Well, actually, you can follow him on Instagram and Facebook at Leland dot That's L E L A N D dot Clausen K L A S S E N. Or you can follow him on uh, Twitter and YouTube at Leland Clausen, all one word. Um, no dots. No dots on the YouTube. No dots. They don't allow the dots. I don't know why I did it differently, but. <laughs> It's well, it's hard sometimes. People people take that from you, yeah. But but you know, and just with the the storytelling aspect, uh, I don't know if you, Larry. I don't know if you ever heard Larry Miller's. Uh, I talk about this every because I, I just think it's amazing. Larry Miller's Secret of Skiing, um, stand up. I and I it's, vaguely I vaguely do. Yeah, yeah. It's a thirty five minute bit about <laughs> his trip skiing, and I'm not even joking. There is a punchline every ten seconds. Yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal so whenever someone says oh i'm a storyteller i'm sorry go go listen to that because right, that's right. you know you so you still get that last per minute but you're also taking them somewhere it's yeah it, and it does I, it goes off on the tangent like you're talking about and comes right back and you know it's yeah it's brilliant and i, I, I oh, sorry, sorry go ahead no, no, please please go ahead i was just gonna say i do like that there's a beginning and end to a, to a bit but along the way we're gonna have a whole bunch of fun um mm -hmm. And I do think it can be, I think you're right. Some comics use that as, oh, okay, I, I can be lazy and not, uh, I mean, storytelling comics, people that say I write on stage, that's pretty lazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I get that. I have been lazy in the past. That's probably how I started doing storytelling, um, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Well, I think, you know, from a, an audience standpoint, I, I always talk about, I think that there's, the audience is going to trust you that first time. And if you take them on a story that has no real ending and it wasn't worth their time, they're not following you again. Yeah. Like my YouTube channel. <laughs> At Leland Clausen. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just always think that's a, such a, an interesting dynamic when people say that. Um, so what is the, one of the biggest things, mistakes you, you've seen comedians make? Biggest mistake. Or, or like young comedians anyway. Um, I mean, I think it's a mistake that I made too. Uh, and that's just always thinking you're ready for something when you're not yet. Like it's one of the most painful things to hear somebody say you're not ready. Mm. Of course I'm ready. I got I can, I'm way funnier than this guy. He's been doing it. But it's like, the, you, but you're not ready. Right. And so that that's that's probably the most, I don't know if it's the biggest problem I see with, with young comics, but it's I think it's the definitely the most prevalent is that there's comics that it's like, you know, I, I see some guys and they're great. They're they're killing it up there. But I'm like, you haven't even found your voice yet. You sound like three different comics right now. <laughs> because you don't know what your own voice is and you're, you've got influences and you sound like all three of those influences and they're this guy, this guy, and this guy, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, I like all those. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell. I can hear it in your act. So, um, so yeah, I think that's it. People, people wanting to do things before they're ready. I mean, we all, we all are like that, right? You hear mm -hmm. a comic doing a thing and you're like, I should be doing that thing. They're doing a thing. That's, I'm a comic. I should do that thing. And and sometimes it doesn't fit us either. Right. It's not even sometimes being ready. It's, it's maybe let's not a fit for you. Leland, the all, the all woman's show on HBO. That's not right. you, Leland. Right. <laughs> right. I can talk about women things. It's exactly. Like, yeah. It's not for you. And it's okay to, to miss opportunities because it wasn't for you, you know? Yeah. And it's just being ready for when your, your time does 
uh, show up. But yeah, I, I remember starting, I was like seven different comics on stage. I was just like, all right, I'm gonna take some Chris Farley and I'm gonna take some John Candy and I'm gonna take some, you know, uh, Jim Gaffigan and Brian Regan and some Cosby. And so I was just, I was not, I was not me on stage, that's for sure. And it takes a while to kind of get out of that. Um, what other advice would you have for maybe some aspiring comedians Oh, wow. Other advice. Um, At least from a, like a writing perspective, like how often should you write? You know, how often do you write? Uh, I mean, I, with this YouTube channel I've been doing, uh, it's re that's really kind of helped me uh, in writing because I'm, I'm, I'm making sure specifically to have a certain amount done. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying all this is gold. Uh, <laughs> But there's there's already a few stories that I'm like oh, I got to get that on stage because I think that's really gonna work, um, and it might take a while to get it working, um, but but yeah, just just going through that motion. I also am uh, been writing some scripts uh, lately too, and, and I think that all that helps. Like anytime you're you're being creative, um, I, I think that just all that helps, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of doing it. And I'm, you know, I'm the worst guy about that because until this pandemic and even in the first couple of weeks of it, I was just like, ah, I can't do anything. I'm, yeah. too, I'm too troubled right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do it, do it, do it. There you go. That's a, you know, there should be a company that uses that as a slogan. Um. <laughs> you should. You, you should definitely. Uh, so what is the difference? Is there or is there a difference between uh, Canadian audiences and American audiences? Um, I mean, I think any any time, you know, you, you and I travel. So, mm -hmm. you know, regionally, you'll notice little differences in, in the U.S. And it's the same within Canada, different regions of Canada. It, it's very similar in, in that there's just pockets that are just a little different everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't noticed a huge difference between uh, Canada and the U.S. just because we're so closely linked culturally. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we watch the same uh, – culturally, we watch the same movies and TV, and so we're very similar. I mean, there's some things that are a little different, but you get into some regions in the U.S. and you notice the same differences. So – so I know that's a, a big long answer that said nothing. <laughs> no, it's but it's, it's true. Yeah. Now you um you work uh clean and um do you feel that the term clean comic gets a bad rap? Uh yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, me working clean has to do with me uh, being me on stage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So so it's not like it's I don't know. I the same philosophy that I said earlier about you, you got to be who you are. That That's why I do it the way I do it. And, and sometimes I'm at a club and people, you know, they don't even really notice. Right. And and that's great. I love that. Uh, some people will notice and they're like, Hey, Hey, you didn't, you weren't cussing at all. You didn't talk about anything. So I was like, Oh yeah, no. So I enjoy both that, those responses. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I've always, I've always done it this way. So I don't really know what it's like to not do it that way. Right. So comparison wise, I, I can't, per, I haven't personally, I can't personally compare the difference, <laughs> but I see, you know, I see other, other comics and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they gotta be them too. Right. So right. I respect that. But yeah, as far as clean comedy, com comedians go, I think we do. 
did the same way that a that a, a Christian comic, which I'm called a lot as well. You know, there's there's a bunch of oh, I know what that means. You know what I mean? You're cheap, mm-hmm. corny. I think they get the same rap. Uh, and and it's not like that's because there isn't any cheesy, uh, corny comics out there. Sure, there are. Yeah. That's that's how that started. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's how that's. But but uh, you know I I I can only do me. So right. I can hopefully break that down in their minds. Uh, individual performances, four people at a time. That's right. <laughs> change their minds <laughs> on on clean comedy. <laughs> Well, I, I think, it, yeah, I think that's a really interesting aspect of it because I, as I always say, you know, Brian Regan's clean, he's hysterical. Jerry Seinfeld's clean, he's hysterical, you know? So yep. it's just, like you said, there are a lot of corny, cheesy, terrible, clean comics out there. And it's like, well, you're clean. You're not necessarily a comic at this point. <laughs> so, you know, like. You get the clean part down. Yeah, you get that part down. Let's let's work on the comedy. And, and I like the challenge of having it work on a, a late show on a Saturday and right. not having to change a word. Like I, I, I love that, that challenge of it. And, uh, and yeah. if you can do, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and there are some people that, that it's, they want, they don't want clean. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I've, I've done a comedy club. One time I was doing this show in Toronto. It was the laugh resort or something like that. And there's a lady in there and she just had this look on her face of just, like she was just so disappointed in the show. <laughs> and I just said to her at one point in time, I'm like, did you, were you hoping this was going to be a little, uh, a little dirtier? And she was like, yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> to be honest, right? and I was like, well, this is how I do it. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. And she was like, well, <laughs> she just, she was like, I just don't enjoy this. And I'm like, fair enough. That's, that's what happens. Yeah, and it's hard to accept that that not everybody's going to like your material. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, you know that it's it's funny because I was talking to somebody the other day about Drybar and looking at the comments page on Drybar, and it's like, oh yeah, this is great. Oh wait a minute, yeah, <laughs> there's some really mean things on there every once in a while, and it's just like ah, this, it, and it takes so many uh, good things to overcome that. So after a while, it's like you know what, I'm going to stop looking at these comments. Yeah. Absolutely. Because now, uh, I can still grow as an artist and not have to hear some of this. Absolutely. You now when when did you you did you film yours uh the I, last I, year? You did you, you've done two, right? No, I've done two one. I, I did the first season. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So So I saw they were posting the videos from that uh as recently as like November of last year. So Yeah, but, uh, I, they've also just reposted my full one in November of yeah, November of 2019. And then little clips, and then they redo clips. Some people were complaining about that. Don't try to pass this off. I've seen the same genre. <laughs> it's like, hey, <laughs> me. Yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm uh, not looking forward to when my special comes out to see the comments. I'll tell you that. So. When, when is yours coming out? <sighs> Hopefully soon. <laughs> they, I filmed it in uh, January, and they said I, uh, it could be three weeks to a year. And I was like, yeah, thank yeah. you. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. But I know they're putting stuff out now. Uh, they just released John Branion's uh, this okay. week, actually, like yesterday, I think. Oh, okay. And, and so I'm like, okay. And now I know. And he was a few. He was like three months ahead of me. So I'm hoping it's not yeah. three months. I hope it gets a little sooner. But I'm not looking forward to the the comment section of it. But uh, you know, again, you want to be like we do this because we want to we want to give and we want people to enjoy yeah. us. And 
you forget that and you want to be you want to be want to be appreciated for what you do at least right yeah um, but I, I will say this though man times have sure changed it's like that first first one they put on facebook of dry bar for me got like three million views and i was like wow it's viral is that viral does that mean i'm a <laughs> i'm a hit now and everyone's like no that means nothing anymore yeah. wow <laughs> try 40 million that's where you gotta be it's like uh, okay so you're getting there yeah uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that's uh that's interesting. So, what what um, dry bar you have to be clean just for for everyone to know. It's it's a it's a, a really it's a great organization. They they do a lot of good stuff with it. Um, so, what kind of got you into doing? Um, you do a lot of charity shows and you do a lot of church shows and and things of that nature where you give back. What what got you into doing uh, comedy shows for that? Um, I mean, I think that was that was a more gradual thing. Yeah. That- happened for me i i got my my paperwork to start working in the u.s as a canadian i can't just cross the border and do comedy i got to get a, a work visa uh and once i got that a lot of what opened up to me was was church shows and so i, I got more and more calls to do those kinds of events and it just kind of grows right you do some events mm-hmm. and then they you know word spreads and then you do more events like that and so um I also did a lot of a tour, well, mainly in Canada. I did some tours uh, of churches because I was like, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll do some shows and, you know, kind of make an, an outreach event, uh, an event that maybe folks who wouldn't normally feel comfortable coming would, would come and have a have a, a night of laughter. And the churches were like, you know what, that's a good idea. Uh, we like to give to the community. We like to do things like that. Let, let's have you come in. So I started to kind of create more of those opportunities as well. And it just – yeah, snow. I'd say snowballed, but that sounds like it happened really fast. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't quite snowball, but it built eventually. It right. Pure, I guess. Well, and actually, that, that's how this this whole podcast came about. Was uh, was me and uh, three other comics were putting together shows that we could take around um, the country and whatever, and they were all going to be based on. Um, fundraising and charity and, and oh, nice. you know, hitting up like churches and to, to help like promote those and, and yeah. give back. And then as soon as we just got everything like ready to roll and we we're just putting out all this stuff, pandemic hit and I'm like, all right, yeah. that shut that down. So I'm like, I'll just work on a podcast now that kind of is the same, you know, same feel. We're talking about uh, comedy. We're talking about uh, laughter and, and charity and giving back to people. And let's talk a little bit about um, an organization that uh, you uh, like to work with you work with, I mean, so many of them, but you, you pick one for us today to, to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a lot of, uh, like you said, there's been a lot of tours that I've been on over the years and, and we've had some, some just awesome organizations, but the one I was talking about today and I'm even wearing the shirt, I'll join you in the theory yeah. new missions. Uh, it's uh, based out of Orlando, uh, and they work in, in primarily Haiti, but now into the Dominican as well. Cause it's on the, on the same Island. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I made a, I, I took a trip to Haiti. This is before even the the big earthquake. So this mm-hmm. is a number of years ago now. And uh, I, I've since been to Senegal. I've been to Colombia, and I've seen with some other organizations. And I I don't know how to say this in in, in a way that's that that it sounds. I don't mean this in any kind of. Uh, I'll just tell it, and then you can judge for yourself. <laughs> I'm a horrible person. I was in Colombia, <laughs> and I remember the guy there saying, "Hey, pretty, pretty rough to see, huh? Is this is this hard to see?" And I was like, "Dude, I've been to Haiti. 
this is nothing. <laughs> like when you start out in Haiti as, as the place to see poverty, I, it's really tough to find poverty worse. It's the it's the third worst, uh, you know, poorest country in the world. It's the first poorest country in in the Western Hemisphere. It, it's there are things that are rough to see uh, when you go to Haiti, and uh, and and New Missions is just they're, they're going into and they're they're actually building schools, they're building clinics, uh, they're building churches as well. Um, they're 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 uh, digging wells, and it changes. It's amazing when you do a few of those kinds of things. It just changes the everything. Hmm. It clean drinking, like clean drinking water, something that us North Americans just take for granted. Um, it changes their life. It changes the generation to come with a well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it, it's amazing to to see. Uh, I guess that's why I'm so impressed with with new missions. Is they've they've been I forget how many years they've been around now, but but now you see generations of of families that have been affected and and, and like for for the better. And and they're coming, and they're not they're not just leaving. They got an education. They can go somewhere else. They come back to the community and they pour back in because they want to see it grow and, and change even more. And uh, and that's the one thing that this pandemic has really changed with all these organizations. It, it, I, I'm hearing that it's setting setting a lot of these organizations back and the work that they were doing like 20 years. Wow! Like so much so much growth has happened over the last 20 years, and it's like we're we're changing. We're we're, we're you know, the, when I was starting out, you'd hear numbers like 26,000 kids were dying every day. Uh, and as I, as years of going with certain organizations, you start to hear the numbers and they were less and less. And I was like, is anyone else realizing that we just said 15,000 instead of 26? Mm. We're making a difference. Right. And that's, that's where you get excited. But now once this pandemic has hit, you can't, you can't stay at home and not work when, when you're getting paid daily. And then you're taking that that, and you're you're going down to the market to buy food for that day. You can't sit home for two days, right? You know what I mean. So that's yeah. anyway. I didn't mean to bring it all down. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's but that's why new missions is is really. Important. Yeah, well, they're a great. Or, sounds like a great organization, and you can um, check them out at newmissions.org, and uh, definitely, you know, if you can donate and give or, or volunteer, anything you can do. Uh, please do so. Sponsor well, yeah, you can sponsor a child. Okay. And then send a shoebox. Want... Yeah. Sorry. I keep oh, interrupting. Okay. Oh, no. It, it just kind of cut out there for a second. So uh, <laughs> it's all good. And then uh, if you want to uh, check out Leland uh, and see when he's going to be coming back out um, on tour, uh, it is Leland Clausen again, L E L A N D K L A S S E N dot com. And uh, Leland, you also have a, a movie out there that you did in uh, 2017. Do you want to just give a quick uh, plug for that? Uh, well, 2017, I did, uh, maybe it's 2016, I did Extraordinary, which yes. is the running movie. But last year, uh, I did a movie um, called Sleeper Agent, and it's a comedy that, that uh, I co wrote. Uh, and that is coming very, very soon now. Uh, we, we should be available for transactional video on demand, like on Amazon and, and some of those, uh, probably in a couple of weeks. That's awesome. So sleeperagentmovie.com. Uh, uh, so just sleeper agent movie on Facebook and you'll find us there as well. Sleeperagentmovie.com. So check that out. And one last time, agent. Uh, <laughs> one last time, uh, you can follow Leland on Instagram and Facebook at Leland 
dot Klassen, and then Twitter and YouTube is just Leland Klassen. And uh, Leland, thank you so much uh, for for coming today, or not coming today, but just hanging out today and uh, sharing your your wisdom and your your passion and uh, your your knowledge. And so glad to have you. And looking oh. forward to uh, talking again soon. We'll talk some curling, and we'll talk some uh, <laughs> some some Randy Furby, and it'll be a it'll be a good time. And I uh, hope to get to work with you and, and help out some people soon. <laughs>